2: Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. No one wants another tragedy. No one wants this to happen again. That's why it's regretful that Democrats have rushed to a markup today. Too soon, my friends. What the hell are you waiting for?
1: The president will be talking more about this later. Bloomberg
2: Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. Here's a gun
3: I carry every single day to protect myself, my family. I hope the gun, the gun is not loaded. I'm at my house. I can do whatever I want with my gun.
2: Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. President Biden prepares
4: to address the nation on gun violence tonight. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as House Democrats get busy on crafting gun control legislation and talks continue on this same matter in the Senate following yet another mass shooting. We will discuss the nuances of this debate and why compromise remains elusive. Coming up with our panel, of course, Bloomberg Politics contributors, Jeanne Shanzano and Rick Davis are back with us today for the hour. Later, a critical jobs report looming tomorrow with more clues on inflation and maybe the Fed. We'll talk about that with Bloomberg economist Andrew Husby a bit later on. We are casting into the future today to better understand the two most important stories of the next 24 hours. So I'm glad you joined us. President Biden right now is putting the finishing touches on an important speech, a national address he will deliver tonight on gun violence. This was added to the schedule about halfway through the day. We did not know about this this morning, with a new sense of urgency following yet another shooting, this time in Tulsa. It happened yesterday. Vice President Kamala Harris was asked about it earlier today.
1: The president will be talking more about this later. Um, But we have been monitoring the situation quite closely. And the latest report, of course, is that four innocent people lost their lives, and many more were injured.
4: The president will speak at 7.30 p.m. Washington time. I suspect he will be on time as uh, there's a bit of a, a dance here. The choreography with the TV networks at that time of day, things get a little more sensitive and it follows a long day for the House Judiciary Committee, as I mentioned, debating and voting today on a package of gun control proposals that include raising the minimum age to buy semi-automatic rifles, a ban on high-capacity magazines would ban bump stocks. These are the same issues that we've been talking about for a couple of days now. The ranking member on that committee, Congressman Jim Jordan, chastised Democrats for moving too fast.
5: No one wants another tragedy. No one wants this to happen again. That's why it's regretful that Democrats have rushed to a markup today in what seems more like political, political theater than a real attempt at improving public safety or finding
2: solutions.
4: Chair of the committee sees it very differently, as you might suspect. New York Congressman Jerry Nadler with his response.
2: Too soon, my friends?
6: What the hell are you waiting for?
4: All right, then. There are, of course, questions about whether any of these would have stopped any of the recent shootings. Any of these ideas from red flags to expanded background checks. We know moving the age would have stopped one of them. But yesterday's shooting in Tulsa a whole new scenario as you heard Kamala Harris just say four people were killed Wendell Franklin is the police chief in Tulsa
7: on June the 1st Mr. Lewis purchased a semi-automatic rifle from a local gun store that semi-automatic rifle was an AR-15 style rifle
4: he bought it the day before two doctors including the shooter's surgeon, were killed along with a receptionist and a patient. I want to assemble the panel to get the insights here, of course, Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis, Bloomberg Politics contributors. Rick, I'm gonna start with you. The president is set to speak in a little more than two hours from now. Was it Tulsa that brought him to this point? And, you know, there's a pretty high bar for going to the networks at this point, you know, following the, the Obama administration when you need a half an hour of airtime on a Thursday night.
7: That's right, Joe. I mean, we've now seen the era where uh, presidents can give these kinds of primetime speeches and not be covered by the network. So, the fact that That's this right. is now being covered is is a pretty exciting thing now. I, it's hard to tell what was the motivating factor. Obviously, the Tulsa headlines is is disturbing, uh, with a disturbing attack with an AR-15, um, you know, matching. but I also think it might have as much to do with the personal activity, you know, Rick,
4: we're having a little bit of trouble with your line. Maybe we can reconnect uh, with Rick and, and get the same question to Jeannie here. And, and we'll get back to Rick Davis in just a second. Jeannie, uh, it's a big job for this president. What does he do with the time that he's carved out for himself?
1: Well, what he's doing, I think, and you rightly said, we didn't know about this this morning. We didn't even know about this halfway through the day until they confirmed it, because this is quite a change for the White House. Let's recall, this president said he was going to let Congress do its work. He was not going to get too too involved. Now we know he is getting very much involved. So what they're saying he's going to do is he's going to press Congress on the need to pass common sense gun safety legislation. He's going to talk about this epidemic. And what an epidemic it is. We're in the 153rd day of the year. Mm. This is the 233rd mass shooting, the one in Tulsa yesterday. Those numbers are outrageous. The 20th since Uvalde 10 days ago. So it is an epidemic and the president now is doing the only thing the president can do is to try to use the bully pulpit to get the public to push their representatives in Congress to pass legislation. And of course the clip you played by Jim Jordan just astounding. We're moving too fast. I don't know how many more people need to be hurt or injured or killed before Congress moves. They haven't moved fast at all. Mm -hmm. They haven't moved in years.
4: I think Jerry Nadler would agree with you on that rick uh if we don't get anything new here uh, from the president if he's simply urging congress to act then what is the point is is it securing this particular audience you have to have something to say when you interrupt you know jeopardy for people in their living room
7: that's right and i think part of it is that the president wants to get ahead of what may be some productive activity in the senate Um, i think the house is really just partisan noise uh, it's part of the, the story today and mm-hmm. I agree with Jeannie I mean it you know it, it doesn't doesn't pretend any progress but the real game is in the Senate and there is a bipartisan effort being put together to try and find a bill that both Republicans and Democrats can sign on to and I think that's what the president's really trying to do is create momentum around getting something done in the Senate um, and all these things, uh, are being forced into the same timetable. And so the more pressure that he can put on the Senate to come up with something and not let people back off the table, mm-hmm. uh, I think, is, is his real primary uh, objective here.
4: How does he do this, Jeannie, uh, without isolating, uh, for lack of a better word, half of the country? Uh, he needs to speak in a way that cuts through the sort of partisan cliché that comes with gun control conversations and this is a president uh, who has been written off by many Americans when it comes to this.
1: And that's the difficulty he faces. He ran promising to bring us together after January 6 in the midst of the pandemic. He mm-hmm. said he was going to unite us, you know, go beyond this red-blue divide. And this is a real test for him to see if he can do it, you know, reach something like a, a unification we saw potentially in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine or in response to 9-11. But very tough to do. You know, one model he has, quite frankly, is, is the senator from Connecticut, Chris Murphy, who's talked about the fact that following Sandy Hook, he was drawing a line in the sand. This is what had to happen. Go big or go home. Now he is saying he wants to show Republicans that if they do even small incremental steps on gun safety, that they will benefit from that and the country will as well and they'll be rewarded. So I think he can use Chris Murphy's smart tactic as a way to do that, but a really really tough thing to do because of course people have very strong concerns that the government is coming after their guns and Any time you talk about this issue.
0: So
4: how does he keep that uh, from happening? Even if he says it, Rick, people won't believe him. If you're sitting down here advising Joe Biden, helping him to craft this speech, how does he break through with Republicans, with conservatives,
7: with people who actually own guns who feel like they
4: are the ones being
7: targeted? Yeah, I think it is a uh, high wire act. Uh, What the president's got to do tonight, as you described, Joe, is to push for some changes in the way we regulate uh, firearms and and to incorporate other things that Republicans may want on things like mental health and school safety but he's got to do it in a way that you know he's bigger than a piece of legislation and he's really speaking for the American people that want action because by and large most people do want something to happen they they agree with Jeannie that this is a epidemic that it's out of control that, that, that states and the federal government all have to work together to try and protect children and the loss of life. Uh, and, and so he does have some wind at his back in that regard, but it's, it's ephemeral. It'll go away soon if nothing is done on Capitol Hill. So he's gotta leave enough of an opening. He can't demagogue it yeah, to the point where, right. you know, Republicans in the Senate feel like they've been trapped and now walk away from the negotiating table. He's been uh, emotional
4: at times talking about this publicly, Jeannie. I don't know if that works or not. I don't know if raising your voice and, and, and expressing frustration works. Those are two things that we've seen from Joe Biden. What's the posture, the tone? Uh, is it is it one of empathy for victims? Or, or does he need to look into the camera and speak to law-abiding gun owners, self-described, and tell them that it's time for a new reality.
1: I I do think he's got to be empathetic. Nobody better able to do that than Joe Biden with the losses he has personally experienced in his life with his children and his first wife. That said, I think he does need to reach across the aisle and to say that these are things that 80, 90% in some cases of Americans support. Let's start there. Mm -hmm. The danger here, of course, is that if they don't get anywhere, and we've talked about the fact I am not optimistic They will. If they don't get anywhere in Congress, he's going to end up looking weaker. So he's really putting himself, and I think, quite frankly, his presidency on the line, rightly so tonight, and coming out and saying, congress you must act and and you know let's just mention that mitch mcconnell twice now has talked about this issue mm-hmm. and has not wanted to talk about weapons he wants to talk safety and mental health no weapons movement on weapons that's going to be a problem for uh, the for the president
4: well but then it's going to be a problem for a lot of other people here rick if, if red flags and say banning bump stocks are not enough for Joe Biden, if he does not seem satisfied with that, then people may well think that he wants actual gun control, eliminating access to certain weapons.
7: Yeah, I, I would be surprised if tonight's speech gets into specifics of legislation. I okay. think he wants to leave the door open for the Senate to work their will. And and I would say that the point that Senator McConnell's making is that in addition to whatever comes out of this negotiation, he wants a focus on mental health and school safety. I think there will be some things like red flag laws and potentially bump stocks and yeah. uh, uh, in, in, in any piece of legislation that would be considered bipartisan. Right. Rick and
4: Jeannie stay with us for the hour on Sound On. This is Bloomberg.
0: Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more.
8: Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
6: Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank, because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com.
4: Stiefel, Nicholas, and Company Incorporated, member SIPC
2: and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The House set
4: to vote on gun control legislation next week, according to Speaker Nancy Pelosi. It includes raising the age to buy a semi-automatic weapon from 18 to 21, something a lot of people were calling for after Uvalde, remembering he bought those two rifles when he was 18 years old. The House also to hold a hearing on banning assault weapons. That wasn't so much the idea today, though. The As I mentioned a little bit earlier in the broadcast, a package of legislation before the Judiciary Committee. It was a markup session and includes raising the minimum age, also banning bump stocks, and would also ban high-capacity magazines. So they went back and forth on this. Democrats and Republicans could not agree, and the whole thing came to a crescendo, if I can use that term, when Congressman Greg Steuby, a Republican from Florida, ended up uh, speaking for a while. He was at home. He's on Zoom. And actually, if you listen to this program, you know Greg Stubbe. He's an army veteran. He served in Iraq. He's been on Sound On. We've talked to him before. Uh, didn't know he was carrying a gun. It was, apparently, he does carry one every day. And Well, he's got a lot of guns, as we learned today. want to just let you hear what happened in the hearing, and then we'll bring Rick and Jeannie back in uh, for their take on this. Listen to Congressman Stubbe. When his turn came up to talk about this legislation, he was specifically referring to the elimination of these uh, larger uh, magazines for guns. So imagine he's looking at the Zoom cam, he's, he's behind his desk, and he's, he's holding a gun right up to the camera. Here we go.
3: Right here in front of me, I have a Sig Sauer P226. Okay. Comes with a 21 round magazine. This gun would be banned. Here's a oh. here's a 12 round magazine. Gun. This magazine would be banned Different under this magazine. current bill. It doesn't fit.
4: He's trying to he's showing how because the magazine goes in the gun.
3: For a twenty round, twenty one round magazine. This yep. gun would be banned okay. under this bill. Different gun? Here's a sig Sauer three twenty. Okay. It takes a twenty round magazine. Okay. Takes a twenty round magazine.
4: Takes the magazine out.
3: Here's a twelve round 12 magazine round that magazine. would be banned, doesn't, it doesn't fit.
4: fit okay because it would be banned there's another gun this right? gun
3: would be banned under this bill okay here's a gun i carry every single day to protect myself this my is the family one. my wife every my day home yep this is a xl six hour p365 waving the gun 15 round magazine. pointing the
4: gun to the here's
3: a seven round magazine which okay. would be less than what would be lawful under this bill if this bill were to become off. all right then. it doesn't fit the chair so asks, this gun would be banned hang on under I hope the, the gun is not loaded
4: bill. loaded what
3: I'm at my house. I can do whatever I want with my guns. Well, that's
4: Congressman Greg Stubbe. This is the kind of stuff I forget who it was. Aaron Rupert tweeted, uh, read the room. The kind of stuff that gets people talking, which is why he did it. And it gives you a good sense of where we are in this debate. As we bring Rick and Jeannie back in here, uh, Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano. Uh, Did that advance the debate here, Jeannie, or remind you why we haven't gotten anywhere with any of this yet?
1: Well, you know, I wonder did Jim Jordan talk about political theater when mm-hmm. his colleague was doing that? No, or, I don't think so. Yeah, not not in response to that, but let's just look at what Lucy McBath from Georgia talked about. She talked about the toll that this has taken not only on the country but her. Her seventeen year old son was killed ten years ago by a gunman. And so you know, that is the reality of this, you know. Yes, you have a constitutional right under the Second Amendment to bear arms. But that doesn't mean that you can't take common sense steps and to wave your guns around on a Zoom call as a congressman. To what end beyond getting your name in the headlines? And he will likely get money and attention from this, which is why they do this. And
4: the wheel goes round. Rick, uh, you've been through a
7: lot of congressional hearings. Can you do
4: whatever you want
7: when you're at home, including swing guns around? Well, I must admit, I've never been to a congressional hearing where they did it from home. This is all new. Fair enough. <laughs> Thank you, COVID. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that uh, is a is a result of that. So, uh, yeah, no, this is really, uh, uh, it's not it's a grandstanding. Uh, there's plenty of that at congressional hearings, mm-hmm. and, and this is certainly in the first time. It's the first time I think we've seen a member of Congress playing with a loaded pistol. With <laughs> several of them, yeah. In a congressional hearing. So. Um, that that was breaking some new ground for me but uh look i mean it's it, it it is that way the House of Representatives have been working the Democrats put a you know completely partisan bill on the floor and so it's a free pass for Republicans to you know demagogue against it it's not productive it doesn't move the process forward mm-hmm. uh and as as you point out you know it's just it's just uh, entertainment value, and if it wasn't for such an important topic, does he have a point though? That I, I mean, I'm assuming the real message he was trying to
4: send, other than that he has lots of big guns, uh, is that Democrats don't understand what they're talking about, that they don't know enough about guns to regulate them.
7: Yeah, I think there's uh, some of that. That's partially the message, uh, but but I think it also points to. Uh, a fact that um, where do you stop? Right. I mm-hmm. mean, the point he's trying to make is, OK, if this magazine uh, fits into the law that you've just you know voted on, then then what's to stop you from then changing out to another magazine? And, mm. and and that is the sort of constant Republican uh, dialogue about banning uh, assault weapons and things like that is that it's just the you know the the, the nose under the the camel's nose under the tent yeah. and and it just keeps going from there. I I would say uh, he's kind of making a a point that's helping the Democrats, which is when he holds up an assault rifle and says see, you know this this kind of magazine won't fit in this. And I think the <laughs> Democrats heads were nodding, going, yeah, that's exactly right. the point we're trying to make.
4: Exactly. I don't know. And they were all pistols, for what it's worth. Uh, Jeannie, it is is there something to Democrats' own knowledge, could they learn a little more about the item they're trying to regulate, or am I missing the point?
1: Well, no, I I think that's an important point, and and, you know, I think Adam Kissinger over the weekend said something I think is really important, which is that people who support gun rights and the right to bear arms are the ones who should focus on common sense steps towards securing them, because otherwise if this continues at this rate, those rights can be severely restricted and gun owners don't want that. They should step up and regulate.
2: Rick and Jeannie, stay with us. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 11.3.0 to Boston, Bloomberg one zero six one to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthews. The smallest gain in job growth since April of last year.
4: That is what we expect to see tomorrow morning when the Labor Department drops the granddaddy of all economic reports. We're going to talk about May jobs ahead with Andrew Husby of Bloomberg Economics. Well, that did not take long for the Fed. The headline on our Jobs Day preview here on the terminal, May jobs to show early impact of Fed tightening. Wow. And indeed, if you look at the numbers here, we're... Not expecting what we have been getting. Uh, 300,000 increase, non farm payrolls expected following 428,000 the month earlier. And we're joined to talk about it now because people are going to be reading tea leaves, maybe too many tea leaves when this comes out for insights into inflation and indeed the impact of the Fed. Joining us to talk about it, one of the authors of that column, Andrew Husby, is here from Bloomberg Economics. Uh, Andrew, we're going to start seeing this slowdown in hiring. As you write, the early impact of Fed tightening. Will we also see a slowdown in wages?
5: Well, that uh well thanks Joe. That that really is the um the question here. So uh a yeah, slowdown in hiring um it could be um that it's just simply still very hard to find workers. Right. Um it could also be that uh demand for labor is actually cooling. And that's something the Fed is kind of trying to pull off as it uh, hikes rates. It wants to Realign demand for labor, realign demand for a whole uh, range of goods downward in line with uh, supply, which is still pretty uh, restricted right now. Mm-hmm. So we do think we're going to see a, a downshift in wage growth. Actually, we've seen that uh, over the last uh, three months. Uh, the pace of uh, average hourly earnings growth, that's uh, one of the numbers we get in this report, uh, yeah. has downshifted um, over – uh, really, since February. So, um, you know, early signs that labor demand is cooling, but certainly there's nothing in this report that's going to shake the head off of uh, uh, tightening moves of at least uh, 50 basis points at the next uh, couple of meetings.
4: Okay, so they're going to continue this, and I guess the comments from Lael Brainerd really hit that home uh, earlier today. I'm, I'm really struck by the range, though, and they've been wide lately. This might not be as wide as what we had last month, but 240K to 450K uh, is the, the, you know, the median is 325, but it, it's, it's interesting to gauge yeah. the uncertainty that economists have right now.
5: Yeah. And that's been, uh, certainly uh, true throughout uh, much of the pandemic, uh, economists, uh, you know, many months have not been the, the best guide to right. uh, the actual number. And it's really just a, a function of a few things. You know, of course the, the pandemic itself, um, and, uh, creating swings in jobs. And also, uh, you know, the statistical agencies just have trouble, um, you know, figuring out, uh, what exactly is going on. And that's been sort of notable in a, in a lot of revisions to yep. the data. So it's not only are you trying to get the current month's number, but you're trying to, uh, account for the fact that, uh, there may have been, uh, shifts in the in the prior month. So talked about uh, that is some- evening outs. Yeah.
4: We've talked yeah. about some wild statistics in terms of job openings as well, Andrew. I'm sorry to, to interrupt. But it's just like, you know, there are two jobs for every job seeker in this country right now. Are we going to see participation move?
5: Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the incentives uh, sh- should be there. Uh, wage growth is, is high and, and still rising, uh, even though, you know, potentially the growth sequentially is kind of slowing. Um, so we do expect to see a pickup in participation. It, it kind of dropped uh, sort of quirkily last month, but mm-hmm. uh, we, we do think certainly prime age workers – You know, the one caveat, of course, is we have seen uh, in May and now into June, there is a bit of a pickup in, say, COVID case counts. That's been less of a factor, and we think it will be less of a factor, but... You know, as you're thinking about a uh, 50,000 jobs here, 100,000 there, um, that that could mm-hmm. uh, be a stealth uh, reason to think that we might get a soft number uh, in in May as well.
4: I have to ask you about the R word, and 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 specifically with regard to the comments uh, from Jamie Dimon. I don't know if you heard this yesterday. I'm sure you did. The hurricane mm-hmm. uh, line that that really spooked a lot of investors. He was speaking at the annual Strategic Decisions conference uh, in New York. Here's Jamie Dimon.
7: It's a hurricane. It's we, right now, it's kind of sunny. Things are doing fine. You know, everyone thinks the the Fed can handle this. That hurricane is right out there, down the road, coming our way. We just don't know if it's a minor one or Superstorm Sandy, or uh, yeah, Sandy or or uh, Andrew or something like that. And it's you you better brace yourself.
4: Brace yourself, Andrew. Those comments really spooked a lot of people. This is someone uh, who has unique insights into what's happening in the economy. Uh, is it sunny right now? Are we going to be in the midst of a storm in a couple of months?
5: Yeah, our uh, our team's view is um, it's not a, a, a very near-term uh, problem being a recession, that is. But certainly, as you think about um, you know, the Fed is marching rates higher. You're seeing the housing market respond a bit. Um, you're seeing the goods sector respond a bit. So I, I think for some sectors, it may start to feel that way. But I think for the, the economy as a whole, and you pointed that statistic earlier about uh, how strong job openings are. Um, and, and that's going to be tough to reverse in, in, in the matter of a few months. But certainly looking out into uh, 2023 and, and certainly into 2024, as, of course, the Fed is uh, really signaling it's going to be moving rates into restricted territory, that's really when our team is uh, is eyeing uh, uh, higher recession risks. Um, so we'll, we'll, we're still monitoring that, but uh, certainly not a uh, next few months uh, issue for us, barring yeah. some. Uh, added shock
4: so with that said then lale Brainerd uh, has has turned us away from this idea of a september pause is that how you feel
5: exactly yeah that, that's what our our team puts a pretty short uh, shrift uh, on those remarks about a pause uh, from, <laughs> those came up last week from uh, atlanta fed's bostic and yeah. uh, really there we're just thinking um it, it, it is a high bar there is Bostic is among the more dovish-leaning officials, and and even he, I don't think, is saying it's it's a definite. Um, and and certainly the rest of the committee is is not is not going to see the evidence that uh, we think they are Given we'll get a uh, new inflation number next week, and, and that's probably going to be running uh, quite hot. That's
4: right. Unemployment rate holds at 3.6 percent. Uh, that's just a hair above the the immediate pre-pandemic low of three and a yeah. half as you point out that's a victory lap for the white house right i mean most people don't talk about the participation rate you know over dinner here andrew the president will be able to say we've still got one of the lowest unemployment rates in history
5: yeah they certainly can um and, you know unemployment is quite low um but of course uh, consumers are uh are feeling the pinch of, of high inflation and that's showing up in uh sentiment surveys which which normally track the labor market pretty well and normally you'd think uh, sentiment would be pretty high right now yeah. but uh it's it's quite low just again because of uh because of inflation but uh yes yeah, certainly as we head towards the election the the mix of those two factors is going to uh you know help determine uh, the the balance of power after the uh, the 2022 midterms and Andrew course, Husby
4: uh, when, for an expert like you what's the first number you look at in this report in the morning i'm assuming it's not the headline
5: uh no it's uh it's certainly the headline is is one of those numbers we do uh we do take a look at, um, but it's, it's much more of a holistic report. You're like mm-hmm. Looking at participation, you're looking to see whether the unemployment rates moved up or down for the right reasons. And I think for this report, we really are buying that wage number. Um, if we do see some cooling, that'll take uh, potentially some pressure off the Fed to really have to crush the economy with rate hikes uh, yep. later this year and, and into next.
4: Great primer there. Andrew Husby, we do appreciate it. Find his work on the terminal Bloomberg Economics. And now you know what number to look for first thing in the morning. We'll reassemble the panel next with Rick and Jeannie. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.
0: Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more.
8: Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
6: Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank, because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing. The passion to keep investing. The best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com.
4: Stiefel, Nicholas, and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.
2: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. They reportedly would
4: not take President Biden's call in Riyadh. A couple of months back, and while the White House says those reports are untrue, it now appears the president will be making a trip to Saudi Arabia, which Joe Biden vowed, remember as a candidate, to make a pariah on the world stage following the Khashoggi murder. New York Times now following Bloomberg's reporting, we told you it was likely going to happen. Peter Baker now reports that the president will in fact travel to Riyadh this month. To rebuild relations with the oil rich kingdom at a time when he's seeking to lower gas prices at home and isolate Russia abroad. We reassemble the panel for more on this. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are Bloomberg politics contributors. This is a good idea, Rick, to
7: show up in Riyadh? Is that better than say going to Venezuela? uh it's uh yes it's better than going to venezuela because the saudis can actually impact uh the price of gas Mm -hmm. if they uh, increase their production and venezuela can't so uh, i think they've at least picked the right outcome if they're looking for change uh but this has been a confused process uh they as you point out reached out early and got rebuked uh not only rebuked, but uh there's some indications that you know mbs wouldn't take Biden's call, but he would yeah. take Vladimir Putin's call. Yeah, so right. uh, not to get on the wrong side of history, it sounds like they're getting it back to where it needs to be. Well, how do you not get on the wrong side of history with this move, Jeannie?
4: How do you how do you handle the optics here? We're not going to get an apology from MBS.
1: No, he's not. And, you know, we started this week with the op-ed on inflation, the op-ed on Ukraine. And this, you know, announcement today, finally, as you talked about earlier this week, that he was going to go, Biden is going to go meet with MBS is very much tied into those two things. He is getting killed on inflation. There's not much he can do about that. This war in Ukraine looks like it's going to go on and on for a long period of time. Both of those things terribly impacting oil. So this, I think, is really a recognition by the White House that they are in a very precarious domestic, political, and geopolitical state at this Mm -hmm. point. So they are now forced Mm -hmm. to go do something they did not want to do. Saudi Arabia is in a power position and speaking of Venezuela we did try to go pressure you know go release those sanctions or yeah. ease them up get their oil we've tried to push OPEC the announcement from OPEC plus today it's not going to impact consumer prices at the pump that much mm-hmm. that's the reality that Biden is dealing with so he's gonna have to swallow what he said about the pariah state and oh, go yeah. over there and it's gonna be fascinating to see how they try to sell this because it's their own constituents particularly reporters from frustrated Mm -hmm. rightly so by the horrific murder who are pressuring him not to do this and they're going to do it now and this is going to be big news for this trip
4: it will uh great line from peter baker rick the visit represents the triumph of real politic over moral outrage and it really does come down to that right so if we've decided that mbs is someone we need to deal with because we don't like five dollar a gallon gas what are the optics of this trip does he does does he do a photo op with him? I mean, is this going to happen behind the scenes? How would you handle it?
7: Yeah, yeah. first of all, it's going to play out publicly because there's just no way to avoid it. That plane's going to land. So you in get the Saudi big real arrival the ceremony. It's going to come out yep. right, and so, and Peter Baker's right in the sense that <clears throat> it is a va- it is a debate of real which is which is void of uh, those values. But 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 it but it's it's about our values, and our values are our interests, and so to compromise on those in order to try and solve an economic problem at home is 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 nothing but an elixir for, for failure in the future. I mean, MBS, the leader of Saudi Arabia, is going to be in the crown position for the next 50 years. And, and we are going to have to deal with that as a key strategic player in this region. Uh, but when you then start saying one of those things that's valuable to us is the price of gasoline, and we're willing to you know uh, uh, kowtow to him because of that i think you've put it on a very uneven keel and our values are at risk here and it never works well for a president who sets his values aside for real politics
4: during his stop in Riyadh, genie uh we understand the president will meet as well after mbs with the leaders of other arab nations including egypt jordan iraq and the uae do do we try to make this look more like a regional summit than a sit down with a bad guy
1: that's what they're going to try to do. And early on, this was couched as, you know, a preparation for a visit to Israel. Right. Um, that has now changed very much. You know, and, and let's look at what's happening. You know, the president has pressed Venezuela, has pressed OPEC+, Plus. now he's turning to Saudi Arabia. These are some of the worst regimes in the world for mm-hmm. human rights. But he's turning to them, but what he's not doing is something that Rick talked about, I think it was earlier this week or last week, pushing for more domestic production. So, you know, it really, really, shows you what he is willing to do and what he's not willing to do and I think a real question that has to be asked at this point is was it it a mistake for them to conflate the issue of the murder and the need for for oil quite frankly? Could they not have dealt with these as two separate issues but they did that several years ago before he was in office and they haven't been willing to step back from it and now he finds himself in a really really difficult position but he won't go against the green folks on his and his party and push for more domestic production at this point at well, least
4: not yet so what happened he's going to get killed for this though uh, by human rights activists by progressive Democrats in Washington does he not care anymore it's more important to get gas prices down Go
7: Yeah, ahead, I was going to say I'm also sorry. The I'd the love to Caribbean hear from Basin. both of you yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just really quickly. You know, he is going to get killed on it. And let's remember for a president. This is the worst case scenario. This is not just members of his you know, progressive wing or his own party. These are reporters who have Mm -hmm. been lobbying against a visit like this because, of course, it was a horrible, gruesome murder. And he is going to have to stand up to that kind of pressure. But he's made the decision that as president, he has to relieve the pressure at the pump for Americans. But again, you go back several years on this. It's the United States. States. It's Europe's policies yeah. towards Saudi Arabia that got us into this position in the first place.
4: He's not going to make his his own party happy here, is he, Rick?
7: No, uh, he's not going to make his own party happy and he's not going to make uh, the oil patch happy. I mean, like here's an interesting unification of liberal Democrats and and and, and oil executives, right? all of whom basically are opposed to this one solution. And I would just remind everybody that for the 1980s and 1990s, We basically, the Republican Party, used the fact that we were buying all this oil from despotic regimes Mm -hmm. as a national security threat. And it allowed us to then, you know, open up the taps for fracking and the oil patch that led us to one of the greatest economic revivals of our time. We need to find new sources of energy that are not hydrocarbons. But in the meantime, if he wants a solution and he's not looking domestically, he's making a huge mistake. You know, to think, and Jeannie mentioned this, we started this week with an op-ed from
4: President Biden on inflation. This was supposed to be the, the troops are out here, all hands on deck. We spoke earlier this week with Gene Sperling. Uh, Brian Deese has been out members of the Economic Council, the president himself trying to get ahead of that story has been very difficult for this administration here. Jeannie, every time they want to pivot to the economy, a Ukraine happens or in this case, a Uvalde happens.
1: Yeah. And we've heard a number of reports, you know, NBC had one, the Washington Post about frustration, not unusual in any White House, but in this White House with aides who are, you know, a lot of infighting as to what they can do because his numbers are not moving at all. So their effort, you know, we're still early in June. This is going to be a whole month on inflation, apparently. Um, So maybe they'll have some luck, but it's going to be an uphill battle. And one of the things that we're hearing, of course, is that much of what this president does is sort of old fashioned. If you will make a speech do an op ed do a mm-hmm. photo op you know does he need to do something different does he need to sort of break out of the traditional block of the way presidents have yeah. you know address things you, you know have something use in mind? social media you know I, I i i don't know maybe he should come on the podcast i, I don't know <laughs> i don't know but you know there because this is not breaking through and of course you know communications are not going to end inflation but certainly the president is feeling very frustrated at least so far this June focus is, you know, not move the needle at all.
4: And I'll tell you what, uh, President Biden has a standing invitation here at Bloomberg. I'm not sure that that's happened. You want to speak directly to the markets, Mr. President. I know you love this program already. We'd love to have you here to do that. Uh, Rick, is Jeannie on to something there? Is it does President need to go live on Twitter, uh, stand on his head? What does he do to to approach this in a different way from the, the sort of analog concept of a primetime address and writing an op ed in a newspaper?
7: Yeah, i mean look the bully pulpit's a good thing to have it's part of the 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 best aspect of the presidency is that you can speak directly to the american people without much of a press filter yeah that being said i mean he himself has said we've got to take action as an administration on various elements of both legislative and executive action in order to curb inflation and so instead of doing that he's hopping on a plane and going to saudi arabia to beg for lower oil prices so i mean like where's the initiative from his administration i mean i read those same articles Jeannie did about you know discontent in the white house and and it seems to me they're just pencils down you know taking a trip to saudi arabia is bad optics for a president who already is very unpopular and it's only going to get worse for him and if he loses his credibility with the american people on this issue it won't matter what what measures Mm -hmm. he takes every time he speaks people will turn off the set Pencils down, says Rick Jeannie. I'm wondering, is it going to be until after the midterms
4: before we start to see uh, more departures from the White House? And we had Jen Psaki, obviously a high profile one. But these advisors who have left the president upset, how, how many more months does this go on?
1: You know, I, I think we will start to see more and more, again, not unusual departures from mm-hmm. the White House, people seeing they have to focus on their family, go back to the private sector, whatever it will be. Not unusual, but the frustration makes that worse. And I think we're starting to see some of that breakage already.
4: Rick and Jeannie, great conversation as always. Our signature panel on Bloomberg Sound On. We'll meet you back here tomorrow, the fastest hour in politics. And we'll distill the address from President Biden. See where we are then. It starts 730. This is Bloomberg